0: and courageous. Today is another special episode. um, And a lot of people have been wondering when he's going to come on. So today I have my dad with me, um, who you guys have heard about in the prior podcast with my mom, my sister. So he is here to give his perspective on just, you know, adopting kids, growing up and all of that. So dad dash Doug, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Thanks, Em. I'm happy to be joining you today. Um, like Emily said, my name is Doug. i am been married to my beautiful wife, Delinda, for 34 years. I have four kids. We adopted all four of our kids. Um, I'm the middle child. I had a younger brother and an older brother. And yeah, happy to be joining you today.
0: Thank you. Well, lots of people have been asking, like, when's your dad going to come on? When's your dad going to come on? So I know everyone will be really excited to hear your perspective. Um, But we can go ahead and start with maybe just how you grew up and then kind of what led you to, um, you know, mom, Delinda, and, you know, just adoption. So uh, I know you said, growing up, you were the middle child, and I've heard lots of those stories. But as far as just I know your growing up maybe wasn't as traditional as some others. So can you give an overview of just like, yeah, how you grew up and um, challenges and like things you kind of went through?
1: Yeah, um, I was, like I said before, a middle child, which I think is great. I'm glad I wasn't the oldest child and I'm glad I wasn't the youngest brother. Um but yeah I had a had a really good childhood I was very fortunate that uh we lived in a neighborhood with a lot of other kids um I felt like I always had really good friends and kept me out of trouble so to speak um I was always really active in sports as a as a kid and into my teens um I was a pretty strong student um I wasn't really crazy about um going to college after high school, but at the same time, um I I did feel like it would give me better opportunities in life. Uh my parents uh got a divorce when I was in middle school and um I thought they handled it pretty well. Um I, I do think that they put their kids first and they definitely tried to to keep the family unit strong as far as summer vacations and whatnot. Uh, both of my parents remodeled, remarried, I should say. And, uh, my mom married a gentleman who, who was a college graduate. He was a teacher in the school district. And, um, her husband, Bob really exposed me to a lot of things that I hadn't been exposed to prior, uh, downhill skiing, um, backpacking. You know, as a family growing up, we always went camping, but it was always the the, the tent trailer, the tent, and, you know, a comfortable camping versus backpacking where you're packing everything. And so Bob, my stepdad, was also a big part of my life, I felt like. Um, Like I said, he was a college graduate. He was a teacher. Um, He loved his job. So I always um, thought that the college education would provide me a career to where I, I enjoyed my job and, and made a made a good living, able to support a family. Mm-hmm. So, um, after high school, um, you know, I, I did pursue higher education. wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, went to a community college for a year, and after that year, I decided to get into the medical field. And I've worked at the uh, local hospital in town for 37 years. So it's, crazy. Really, yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of crazy. I'm like the people last can't
0: say that these days, like people can say, Oh, I've been with the company for like two to five years, but not 37. So not
1: 37. And it's funny, the different generations. And I think I work with four different generations now in the workforce. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely have some loyalty to my employer um, I, I do recognize that they've been a, a good company to work for. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's been, it's been a good experience over the years.
0: Yeah. And I know that you ha- you lost your brother when, um, your oldest brother who is in an accident. And I think from what you've shared, that was when things kind of shifted with, um, you know, you went to school and you wanted to play football and you didn't because, There were some things going on where you kind of had to support yourself. So um, what was that like having to just kind of bear that information at such a like pivotal time in your life when you actually are becoming like, you know, somebody's husband or somebody's dad? Um, I know he was a big influence in your life.
1: Yeah. So it was my older brother, Daryl. Um, he got in a car accident at the age of 23. I was 20, so I was three years younger than Daryl. And at at that age, I was just kind of starting to find my way as far as the 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 path I wanted to take in college. I was far from settled down, so I I definitely was not looking much beyond the next year. Wow. Of college. But yeah, it was it was a very rough time. All of you know, I was home during the summer. It was between. Between years in college, my younger brother was eighteen. he had just graduated high school mm-hmm. and and the very month he graduated is when the the car accident mm-hmm. and his wife um, Daryl was married and his wife was pregnant at the time mm-hmm. and yeah it was it was really hard you know when he, I wasn't home, but I got a call that the uh, sheriff's arrived at the house kind of looking for my mom and I called my dad's house to see what was going on and you know, my stepbrothers told me that the sheriffs had been there as well looking for my dad. So you know, I kinda had a, a sinking feeling that something bad had happened. Um you kinda hope perhaps it was a bad injury or something like that. But no, it was it was the worst news possible. And yeah, he uh it was a, a sudden death, so it it's luckily he didn't suffer anything, but it was hard. Probably the hardest thing was seeing the impact that it had on my parents. You know, I had to tell my dad, my dad was out and he got home and called me back, you know, and asked, Hey, what's going on? And so I had to tell my dad and that, that was really, really hard. It's hard to lose a sibling, but I, I couldn't imagine using, losing a, um, a son or a daughter like, like my parents had to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I know we talked about this a little bit, in the past. But I remember, you know, like, everybody goes through trials in life, like with like losses, um, good times, bad times. And um, I know you said you kind of wrestled with faith, like you were like, really mad and angry. And um, yeah, if you don't mind me asking, like, what do you feel like faith wise, did that like strengthen or change your perspective of like, leaning in or out with like, you know, believing in and God or just like getting through that time? Because usually there's like one of two things that happens is like you either lean in or out or out and then back in. So do you, do you want to share anything on that?
1: Yeah, it didn't. Um, it def it definitely didn't push me towards what you're describing as leaning out. I, you mm-hmm. know, I was angry. Um, but it's not like I lost my faith thinking, Well, how could you do this how How could you take anybody out of my life so there There was certainly no blame or anything like that.
2: Mm-hmm. but
1: there was anger just in the the impact that it had on on his young wife and the fact that she was soon to deliver and um and and seeing the anguish and whatnot that my my parents went through. It was hard, but I don't think it really um, definitely didn't push me away in my faith. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's good. Um, Yeah, it's admirable too, because I know it's, um, that's such a hard thing. And then you went through college, and we can kind of shift gears here, but went through college and then started working at Bay Area Hospital. And I know that you started as an x-ray tech, and then you worked your way up over a course of How long was it until you became medical, I think, is your title medical imaging director? It is. So what was like the, how many years did you have to put in to get to that title?
1: Wow, 37 years. Let me take myself back in time. (laughs) Well, I worked my way through the clinical ranks. I was a radiology tech. Um, I I took advantage of of every cross-training opportunity I had within the department. I I cross-trained into a different modality called nuclear medicine. I did that for a few years. I cross-trained into some angiography procedures. Um, we didn't do any cardiac cath at that time, but I did all the other angiographies with procedures within the department. And I had really, really good mentors that gave me a lot of opportunities. And the CEO at the time had a saying that, you know, I, I remember asking him how he got to the position he was in and Mm-hmm. and he had a pretty simple response that he never said no and i felt mm-hmm. like that was kind of my mantra especially as as a young uh technologist as i i never said no to my my bosses when they needed um somebody to step up and perhaps cover a shift or cross train into a different modality and there was a, a few areas of the work that i didn't care for as much i mm-hmm. actually enjoyed being a rad tech um you move around a lot throughout the department versus other modalities to where you're kind of stuck to a room all day mm-hmm. but no I, um you asked how long I've been in this position I've been the manager director of the department for about 20 years so wow yeah 5 years into my career I I moved into a coordinator position to where I was in charge of the student program mm-hmm. so I mentored a bunch of students as they came through the department, and probably about five years after that, I became the staff supervisor, so it looks like I, I was doing the math here. I guess I was supervisor for about seven years, and then I got the director position, so in a lot of opportunities over the years, um, I, I moved down into the cardiac cath lab and and started the buildup of that program within the facility. and. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that, and you know, like I said, it's it's been a it's been a good run, and I'm thankful for all the opportunities that I've had over the years.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That was a big thing for me growing up too. Was I I always saw like how hard you worked, and like that it wasn't just handed to you. Like you had to just continue um, working hard in order to like continue growing in your career. So I admire you so much for that. and then, okay, let's take it from you work at Bay Area Hospital, and then you meet Mom. And I think you guys—you always say that Mom approached you. Is that is that a true story, or did you approach Mom?
1: Emily, you broke up on that. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that question.
0: I said um, I was just saying you met Mom when you started uh-huh. working at the hospital. Did you approach her, or did she approach you? Because there's like a difference in opinions that you guys always have.
1: Well, I of course always tell her that she approached me, but it was kind of mutual. It was a a friend. We had mutual friends that that reconnected us, and we we bumped into each other a second time. And I feel like the timing in in my life, and and I don't want to speak for my, Delin, my uh, Delinda. But I feel like the timing in her life was very similar, and that we were we were kind of ready for a, a relationship, and mm-hmm. uh, had dated, you know, prior. We didn't meet until I was almost twenty four years old. So yeah, ready That's for a
0: relationship. Though compared to today, like people, pe- when you say like we didn't meet until I was twenty four, some people like like I don't think I met Brian until I was. I don't even know. Maybe that maybe you're almost the same age.
1: Yeah. So I think we both we reconnected and I, I think there was a, a mutual interest on both sides. And the rest is right. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Right. Um, and then I know you guys had me when you were so you met at 24. You had adopted me when you were 30, right? 30 years old.
1: Maybe twenty-nine. I think it was just before we turned thirty. Yep. Sorry,
0: it cut out. What'd you say?
1: Um either twenty-nine or thirty. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was right. I think it was right before my thirtieth birthday. Okay. Yep.
0: And then I know mom struggled to have babies, which she talked about when she was on the podcast, but what was your perspective on adoption? Like, were you always open to it or did you have hesitations about it? Like, I'd love to hear from your perspective, how you felt going through that process.
1: You know, I, I definitely was open to it and had no reservations about it. Mm-hmm. Um, take myself back talking about my stepdad. My stepdad was adopted mm-hmm. and, and I, and he was, you know, he always talked about the fact he was adopted and, he had zero contact with his birth family. He he knew absolutely nothing about them. Um, but again, I, I looked. I, I kind of admired my stepdad in that he was successful and um, he 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 had very good parents growing up. And I was always open to adoption. Um, it's funny though when I talked to you know a, a few close friends about the fact that your mom and I were looking to adopt. There's a couple of my friends. That actually said they would never adopt and and I remember how much that surprised me when they said that you know you they make the comment that well, well, it's not yours, and it kind of put me back on my heels thinking wow i I completely disagree with that, but um no we were I was always open to adoption, and I knew it was important um to your mom to start a family and we both wanted to start a family. We were at the point of our life to where the timing was right. Uh, We got married. We did some traveling after we got married and we were at the age to where we really wanted to start a family. So no, I never had any reservations about moving forward with adoption.
0: Yeah. And I know I was actually talking about this on a podcast with just myself and how expensive adoption is today compared to how it used to be. Like it's gotten I think three or four times more expensive than what it was when you guys adopted. Um, so when you were going through that process of like the application process, was there anything that came up that was like surprising or um, frustrating or that you think went really well?
1: Yeah, it, it, it was, it was expensive then. So I mean, everything's relative. Right. So, you know, 30 years ago, it's a fraction of what it costs now, but at the same time, thirty years ago, we all made a fraction of what we make now, so it right. no, was then um I always had a you know I always wanted one hundred percent assurance that that once the papers are signed, you know nothing bad can happen or you can't lose your child and, mm-hmm. and of course, that assurance never comes and You know, never going through an adoption before, there was always a little bit of fear in the back of my mind that that you know we might have to get a lawyer, and because you you see that stuff on the news, and that's you know, and I'm I'm a warrior by nature. I always worry about things I don't have control over, but um, that's probably the one thing that was kind of always in the back of my mind until you're definitely in that safe zone as far as numbers of years. Without mm-hmm. any issues.
0: What do you mean, like numbers of years? Like I thought, my understanding was that with private adoption, it's like, um like once you sign the papers, there's your child can't be taken from you when it's like a private or closed adoption. Is that not
2: correct?
1: It's pretty much lock lock proof. But again, that's it's the things you don't have control over,
2: and Sorry. you can't
1: help but maybe catch an, a story on the news.
0: I think you're cutting out pretty bad. Can you try saying that again?
1: Um, it's always the things that you don't have control over. You see the stories on the news
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: about a couple that maybe lost a, a child. So I guess when I said safe zone, I, I'm I'm just thinking after you get past the first half year, I I, I kind of felt like that that we're not gonna get that phone call that. Something wasn't processed correctly or perhaps mm-hmm. a birth father came in to the situation or, you know, something like that. Just this, just worrying about things like that. Mm. It's not something that I certainly dealt, dealt with or worried about for years by any means.
2: Mm. Got
0: it. Okay. And then when, um, yeah, so I feel like I talked to mom about this, but you just all of a sudden came home with a baby. So did you feel prepared? Like when you got the call that you were going to get a baby? Or what was it like? Just like, okay, you fill out the adoption papers. And then next thing you know, you're getting a call and you can drive up and get a child. So what was like the preparation phase of how long did you have before you got a phone call? Um, Did you feel ready?
1: No, I I don't think you're ever really completely ready for it. (laughs) Your mom is, is probably one of the most organized people's that you would ever meet, right? But you're never completely ready. Uh, we started the adoption process through one agency and ended up shifting gears and going with Holt Internationals. Harry Holt, who was their adoption agency, was really known for the uh, Korean relationship, but they also did domestic adoption. So we,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we started the process a second time and everything was submitted and you're just kind of waiting to be selected but you certainly don't expect a call that says can you come up tomorrow or anything like that yeah uh, yeah it was a it was a whirlwind week no question about it and um we had a niece that was uh delivered your mom's brother had a child and our niece was delivered the day after you were born as it turned out
2: mm-hmm.
1: but during that that week of of your your cousin being born, little did we know that a week later we'd be getting a call to uh to drive up and and meet your birth parents and ultimately bringing you home a couple of days later
0: yeah and did you guys have like the like a nursery set up and the car seat and all of that? did you have that, or did you have to just go and get it once you got the call
1: we had i think i think most of it was kind of in place um but it's it's the uh the food of course and the diaper, mm-hmm. they have all that ready but yeah you know, we were kind of ready um for you, but yet you're not ready for you just mm-hmm. because all the you know, you know the the health insurance and the baby checks and just it's it's a it's a whirlwind week, no question about it.
0: Yeah, and then um, what was it? I mean, I I feel like it's the same when you have a baby, regardless. But did you guys have like a welcome home party? Uh, because it's not like, or how did you like share with friends and family? Did you take a paternity leave? Like, what was your um?
1: first like few months like yeah it was a it was really busy just uh kind of showing off our, our new baby to friends and family and and coworkers, and there was a lot of people hosted little parties for us uh celebration and you know immediate family grandparents and uncles and aunts and mm-hmm. yeah it was busy it was really an exciting time very little sleep um But yeah, it was it was a fun time.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. And then um, I know that I'm. You don't have to say it, but I know I'm the favorite. And um, when did you decide that you should adopt another one for for me to have a sibling? Like, what was your thought process behind that? Why didn't you want to keep me an only child?
1: (laughs) Your mom and I both had siblings, and I think we always we definitely always wanted. At least a couple. We Mm -hmm. wanted we weren't against an only child by any means, but at the same time it's I think there's benefit to having a sibling. You know, I I had siblings, your mom had a younger brother, and I I just think that there's that really complements the family well.
0: I also think you learn so much. Like I I always tell people that I can tell when someone is an only child because when you have siblings you learn how to navigate conflict like of disagreements uh you learn how to be aware of people's feelings you learn how to say i'm sorry which i feel like when you're an only child those things are you might be exposed to them in friendships but it's not the same as like a, you know a, having a household that's full of that if that makes sense
1: yeah i i think so as well um i was never an only child so i don't have a lot to compare it to but but i agree with you i yeah. think it, i don't see a downside to having siblings.
0: And then so you got Mackenzie, and um, her adoption was a little different than mine in some ways. But same idea. And you, you know, drove home with her. I don't know if mom shared a lot about it. But I know I wasn't too keen on when you guys like brought her home. So how did you explain to me that? Because most of the time, like when you don't adopt, you know, you see the baby in the belly or you can explain like, hey, this is, you know, your life is going to change soon. But with me, there was, you literally just brought her home and sat her on the ground. So was there any like jealousy or stuff you guys had to like navigate once you did bring her home?
1: Not really. I mean, I, I guess I'll start at the beginning. It, it was different. Um, mm-hmm. The adoption itself was quite a bit different in that, your sister was was called an open adoption to where
2: mm-hmm.
1: you did allow a visitation and your adoption was closed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um your birth parents and and us as well wanted it closed, really out of ignorance on, on our side. Just mm-hmm. I, I thought it would be better to be closed and but you know, after after seeing your sister and the open adoption and really it, it didn't cause any conflict um that worked out well as Mm -hmm. well but um and then so you your question was there there wasn't a lot of preparation um we did you know communicate with you and you were only two but you know do you want a little brother or sister and and the response was usually yes but i don't think you really understood what what that meant so we started the process um with Mackenzie. And it went really quick. It honestly went a lot quicker than we thought it would. Mm There were months before that adoption was closed. And yeah, it was uh, back to uh, the stories about the whirlwind weeks and whatnot. But yeah, so we had a two-year-old and a newborn and we had our hands full.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, what did it ever... So... I'm actually grateful that my adoption was closed because now as an adult, I don't have a void that needs to be filled. Like I don't, you know, I like I have a mom, I have a dad, I have siblings. But um, did you ever worry like, you know, before you knew how it would turn out with Mackenzie about that, like those like agreements in the open adoption, because you said you tend to worry. So did that cause you like a lot of anxiety knowing that it was open
1: a little bit initially just that the unknown on uh, if boundaries are going to be respected and things like that Mm -hmm. Uh, but it it became apparent pretty quickly that it was going to work out really well Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: and 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 i was really happy for the birth families um Grandparents and 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 the mother, and that they could maintain that con- connection and relationship. I think it was it was really great all the way around.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, very cool. And then I know the twins were not a part of the traditional adoption, so this is, I think, an important one to talk about because you and mom had some. Conversations about like if it was going to be the right thing or not to adopt them when they were born so premature in the hospital. So, you kept a lot of that away from Mackenzie and I just until you knew it was more official in a sense. But even then, it was technically still foster. So, take me a little bit behind the scenes of mom coming to you and saying, I want to adopt the twins.
1: Yeah, well. It goes back even a little bit beyond that as well. So, your mother wanted to adopt a, a, a boy. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: had two daughters, and you know she was asking me, "Do we want to adopt a third baby?" And I honestly was was okay with just the two. You got kind of had hands full with, a, gosh, what was it, a seven and a five year old, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily opposed to another adoption
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so we were we were talking about it and kind of moving in that direction and then um some circumstances happened. an extended family member had twins,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so your mom and I talked about the twins and um then it was not not only twins but premature twins mm-hmm. so there was uh, some significant health issues. Uh, the adoption was was not an adoption initially. It was it was really uh, foster parenting um, the the twins and and kind of the things you need to to go through with that, especially if if the end goal is adoption. Mm. So it was you know back to the worrying and the fear that things might not play out the way you hope. It definitely, that definitely was real at the time. Mm-hmm. And I grew up. My my parents opened their house to foster kids, mm-hmm. um, so I had foster brothers and sisters. But we always brought home, you know, when I was a child, we brought home teenagers that that needed a home to live in. So never newborns. So I was I was familiar with the foster care system. But really, not at the level of a newborn, especially if the end goal is to adopt. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was. Uh, boy, it was a. Uh, There's a lot going on during that time because the the twins were born fourteen weeks early and some significant health issues, and you know, just the the fear that that perhaps that it could be um, a lifelong health issue. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, there was a lot to consider at the time.
0: Yeah, and um, I know. Yeah, for somebody with like anxiety and fear, that must have been really challenging. Um, I'm trying to think of how to like phrase the next question. When did you? So you and mom were were dealing with that. Like, how long was it before you decided to tell Kenzie and I that we could maybe be getting a brother and sister? Like, how long did you guys have those back end conversations before uh, sharing?
1: Um, my gosh, probably about three months, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: probably a couple, two to three months. I think when the, uh, when the, the twins, when when it appeared that they would live because Mm -hmm. when you're born that young, there's, there's a lot of doubt on, on if they're going to make it through everything, but. uh, Oh
0: yeah. And being in medical, when. Because they were one pound, nine ounces, and one pound, 14 ounces, to be yeah. exact. So obviously, too, being in medical, when you first saw them, what was your initial, like, what was, like, running through your mind? And had you, had you ever seen a baby that small?
1: No. I mean, I I, I work in a community hospital, so we have no ne- neonatal uh, care at our facility. And, and x-ray tech, you don't ex- – x-ray techs don't x-ray preemies like that. So I, I certainly had no exposure to uh, anything at that magnitude. And Mm -hmm. it was pretty shocking the first time I saw them, you know, they kind of bundle bundle them up in a blanket and hand hand them to you and you feel like you're holding a blanket. I mean, it was, they they were that small. It was uh, pretty scary, honestly. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I remember I have a vivid memory where I was holding one of the twins in Safeway and this lady came up to me and got so mad and couldn't believe that an eight year old was holding that small of a baby. And she was like, where's your mom? And she's like, she just couldn't believe that I was holding a child that small or that I would be allowed to. So, yeah, they were they were definitely the tiniest humans I've ever seen, Um, even just like wearing American doll clothes and that whole thing. So. Anyways, and then I I talked to mom about this, but it took 4 years to legally adopt, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and that was uh it was it was interesting, you know, the state adoptions are quite a bit different than um private mm-hmm. adoptions and yeah, you find out 3 years later that that there was some risk to you losing them even though it was quite remote Mm -hmm. but um that didn't sit very well at the time thinking i you know because i remember thinking that there was essentially no risk but then three years later apparently there was some risk but Mm -hmm. you know it 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 worked out well thank goodness um yeah it was a it was a it was quite a process um going through this, this, this state adoption from fostering to then adopting, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you went from two kids to four kids really fast, uh, or not really fast, there's a big age gap between us and the twins, but you went from having a family of four to a family of six. Um, so as far as um, just like, I don't even know how to articulate it, but just what was it like? then all of a sudden having, cause I, I was aware, like I was old enough to see what was going on. Um, but were there any challenges of going from like two to four really quickly, or did you feel like you just figured it
1: out? No, it was, uh, it was a challenge. <laughs> yeah. I, it was, a, it was a lot of work. Uh, twins, I don't think are double the work, even though there's a, quantity of 2 versus 1 because they are kind of in sync with each other.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: yeah, it was a, a lot of a lot of work. A lot of diapers, transportation was a, became an instant issue that Oh,
0: I, let's talk about the minivan situation. Yeah,
1: yeah so I <laughs> I pledged to anybody that would listen to me that I would never own a minivan and about maybe a month and a half after we adopted the twins, I was a proud owner of a minivan. So uh that was really out of necessity because transportation became an instant issue. The the vehicles that seat five, of course, the, the the numbers don't work. Um lodging and motels are are an issue. So traveling became we became the family that would stay in suites versus uh Standard standard lodging rooms. So, um, but yeah, it was a it was a it was a blessing. But looking back, it was definitely a lot of work.
0: Yeah, and Mom always says that you came home with the minivan without her knowing. Is that true? Like, did you actually just show up with? Did you buy this minivan without consulting her?
1: No. Okay. you, You can't believe everything your mother says, right? But no. No, we talked about it, and i don't neither one of us i don't think really wanted a minivan but um it became pretty apparent that we needed one and in in hindsight, if I had to do it over again, i would i mean it's mm-hmm. it's it's such a convenient way to to transport a a whole bunch of people
0: <laughs> that van saw a lot of a lot of things like tears laughter um yeah.
1: taught, taught taught to uh two girls how to drive and yeah
0: (laughs) I think I learned how to drive on the bug because I remember freaking out at mom like crying tears um and anyways then you had to teach me which was the whole other thing but um okay yeah so anyways going back to the twins um I know so just the way that you raised myself and Kenzie and the twins is that if you sign up for something you have to commit to it. And I remember one time I came back from cheer camp because I wanted to do cheer with all my friends and then I was like crying in the car and I was like I want to quit. I can't go back to cheerleading after going to this camp. Um and you're like, "Nope, you have to stay true to what you signed up for." And that was pretty true of any sport. I remember trying softball. Hated it because they accidentally hit me in the eye with a softball and I was like, "This sport <laughs> is stupid." And then it was true of anything like basketball. I was horrible at it. I like could not do it, but you made me finish the camp. So talk to me a little bit about like your guys' parenting style with us of staying committed to the things you sign up for. And where did that come from?
1: I think it definitely came from both sets of our parents. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Your mom's parents worked very hard. To be where they were, and they, you know, they were very successful. Um, my my parents definitely instilled that in me: is that you don't start something and quit. Mm-hmm. I remember taking way back when I was in fourth grade. I thought it, I would want to play the violin of all things, and I I hated it, and I begged my mom to let me quit, but I she I had to finish that that year of what I signed up for. And, you know, looking back, I I think she definitely did a great job in raising her boys.
2: Mm,
0: Yeah. Well, that's one thing that I hope to take with me one day too into parenting is try a lot of things. And like, you're, you have to try, you have to try it. And if you don't like it, you have to finish the season and you don't have to do it again. But um, yeah, I always appreciated that about growing up. And then I know you and I always had a really special bond over running So why do you think that was with running? Because Kenzie had gymnastics and the twins, you know, tapped into some sports as well. But what do you think it was about like running or you and I, that was so, well, I remember the first run you took me on, which I was crying and crying. Um, But what do you think that bond came from?
1: I'm not sure exactly what it came from. I think it required some, Distance running, anyway, des- definitely requires some some mental strength and, and kind of pushing through. And um, but you you see the results, so it makes it worth it. I think um, I just recognize that 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 you had some definitely potential with running. You had good foot speed, and you definitely were a hard worker. So it's something that that I felt with my support, you would be successful at. So I, I definitely tried to support you as best I could.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I'm very fond of like, the memories of running. Um, and that, you know, talking about track or like strategy and the meets. So I hope to have that same thing too one day. Um, but Yeah, you, you guys just did a great job raising us. And I always say that if adoption falls into to our, you know, Brian and I's life, that it's something we'd love to do. But you know, I don't feel like an obligation to do it. I just want it to feel like if it's the right thing to do that thing. Um, but this is a question that I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. And I always end with this question, which is, um, what is something that's kind or courageous that you or someone else has done for you?
1: Oh, I thought about this question, kind and courageous. I can think of a lot of examples, Mm. but I'll get, direct question in a second. But it's definitely courageous if you're a a 17-year-old graduate and a 17-year-old girl starting college and leaving the house into a different state to go to college and not knowing anybody there. I think that's pretty courageous. I think it's pretty courageous being in a nursing program and moving back home out of a nursing program to finish your degree at home against... The wishes of your parents, and only to to end out exactly like you said you would. And I think it's pretty courageous for twins to um, survive being born fourteen weeks early.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's courageous for a a mother with an autoimmune disease to um, to raise four kids uh, via the adoption. But to answer your question directly, um,
0: they're very sweet.
1: Somebody that's kind of courageous for me, or I mean, certainly a birth mother giving up a child to adoption—that's a pretty selfless act, and it, it's it's kind of hard to be more courageous than that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I I saw the the anguish and and you know it's it's a hard decision to give a child up for adoption, um, but you're you're thinking for somebody other than yourself at the time of that decision. So I I think that certainly qualifies as something that was done for me. That's very courageous.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, those are very sweet answers. And everyone will enjoy listening to those. But thank you so much for coming on and for your perspective. Um, And just grateful for you as a dad and for sharing. So Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and hopefully we'll be back for a part two sooner or later on one of the many topics within parenthood. Thanks. Bye.